Everybody doing good? Doctrines 101. If you were not here last week, uh, last Wednesday, there are some sheets from last week that uh, went over the beginning of what we're doing as a series now, and we are looking at systematic theology. Now tonight, you should have the existence of God. You didn't get it? I can pay people to get you a copy. I imagine. I don't know where they're at. But you should have tonight's The Existence of God. How many do not have tonight's The Existence? Just a couple. Okay. Alrighty. They are coming in. While they are bringing those in, uh, last week we got started with um, the systematic theology and defined it and walked through some some concepts, and I apologize, I don't have time to go back over that and to rehearse that, so you'll have to get the CD to walk through that. Uh, tonight, <clears throat> uh, I'm trying to uh, teach on a subject that is like really hard to put into words. And since we had this wonderful teacher here the last couple of days, and uh, he had the PowerPoint presentations and everything animated and keeping you all awake, um, sorry, no PowerPoint, no animations up there. Um, I'm just a boring old teacher and preacher. So we'll do it. I'll have to do it the old-fashioned way. I apologize for that. Um, but I want you to think, and this is one of those questions as I throw it out there, I don't want you to give me an answer. I just want you to think. How would you, in your mind, defined, define God? Now, that is one loaded question, isn't it? To say, how would you, if you were to explain to somebody out there that knows absolutely nothing of God, how would you explain to that person, this is God? How, where would you even begin? How would you put into words your definition of it. Well, you try to find some verses, and I'm sure you would do that, and you would try to, you know, and then you think about how the world would begin to define their definition of who God is, and they would come up, well, my God is love, or my God is this world, the earth, and everything that is here, uh, pantheism. Uh, you know, we'll be learning those terms, not next week, like maybe a couple Wednesdays from now, we're going to get into all of those different studies of the different forms, different religions that are out there. And so we'll give some of those words that we throw out there, uh, agnostic and pantheist, and the list goes on. We'll give you some of those definitions. So the world has ideas, and here we are even as, as Christians that believe in the one true living God, and it's even hard for us to really wrap into a paragraph. How would you define God. And that's exactly what we're trying to do. And we cannot, as we talked about last week, uh, create, if you will, a definition of God from man's perspective, um, intuitive type of, of, a, of a logic where we imagine our God is this, or this is how I, how I think of it. But rather, we have to go to the Word of God and allow the Word of God to, to allow He Himself to define and to give us who He is. And that's why we saw, and we'll see it briefly tonight too, the Exodus 3, where He told Moses, I am. I am. And there is no other God that would be out there that could ever, in, in, the ones made up, the ones Satan has created, ever be able to make that claim 
I am the self-existing one. Period. Um, first paragraph here, the existence of God to mankind is divided into two sections. There is the general revelation and special revelation. General revelation of God is God revealing himself through creation, history, and in the conscience of mankind. Special revelation is the second, is the act of God whereby he reveals himself and his truth to specific people at specific times and places. Hence the prophets, hence you know, uh, David, the Psalms, hence, you know, uh, God giving a special revelation even through miracles and things along that line. So we're going to be seeing these two and defining them more clearly and using some scripture to, to pull this together. I really appreciated this weekend and how many times uh, uh, Mr. Riddle had come back to one thing. We can't go to an outside source but we have to go from the very Word of God itself and to draw from the Word of God rather than trying to imagine. Our imagination can be pretty vile, pretty wicked. Sometimes it's sensitive. Sometimes it's this or that. But it cannot be trusted because imagination of man, there's varieties. But the Word of God is consistent on all of these issues. Um, number one there, the general revelation is seen in the nature, in nature, by all men. Dealing with not just Christians, but God has revealed himself to all. And that's why when people stop and say, uh, we'll ask you this question, well, prove to me there is a God. Well, give them this question, prove to me that there's not one. Look at what we have seen this weekend in creation and deny design. That this, what we are witnessing, our own body, the anatomy, that, that there's not a God, and to think that this thing just exploded into existence and evolved uh, a greater faith than we can ever imagine. Psalm 19, one's written out there for you, the rest will look, look up. But the heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament showeth his handy work, the very creation of God. Look with me to Psalm chapter 8. I uh, was explaining to uh, Mrs. Riddle about what we are doing here, and I thanked her on behalf, you know, talking to her, probably, her husband was pretty busy with people, but uh, I said this, what he shared was just, great for where we were heading to here on Wednesday nights. Now, Psalm 8, uh, if you do not know this Psalm, I, here, let, me, let me just say, what I'm trying to do is teach doctrine, but I want to teach you how to study the Bible in the same time. I'm, I'm trying to do this, okay? Um, when you're going through the Psalms or Proverbs, whatever book, there should be premier texts that deal with a specific subject that you can turn to immediately. Now, you may not have it memorized, well, you should have memorized the address and primarily what it's about. Psalm 8 is a premier one when dealing with creation and what God has created and what it is showing in relationship to man. Okay, So verses 3 to 5 say it this way. When I consider thy heavens, the work of thy fingers, the moon and the stars which thou hast ordained, what is man? 
that thou art mindful of him and the Son of Man, that thou visitest him. For thou hast made him a little lower than the angels, hast crowned him with glory and honor. Thou madest him to have dominion over the works of thy hands. Thou hast put all things under his feet. And then it goes through the list of his creation from the very beginning. And even though there was a fall, there is still that um, ability that God has given to man to govern over the creation, not to abuse it, but to, to manage it and to be over and to, to oversee the whole thing. And yet, when we see what, what God has created and we see the animals, we see everything and how it is flowing and, and, and to see how we can be over top of that, we see that God is over top of absolutely everything. The very revealing of His creation shows the very nature and the existence of God. This is part of the general revelation. In Acts, turn there with me please, in chapter 14. I will not need to spend a lot of time on these things. I'm just showing you the concept. You can go through and read them and get more in depth with some of it. But here, again, is a classic place in the book of Acts where God uses this principle for evangelism. So 14 and verse 15 to 17 says, And saying, Sirs, why do you do these things? We also are men of like passions with you, and preach unto you that you should turn from these vanities unto the living God which made heaven and earth and the sea, and all things that are therein, who in times past suffered or allowed all nations to walk in their own ways. And then it goes on in verse 17, Nevertheless, he left not himself without a witness. Now notice the witness that God gave to the world, in that he did good, and gave us rain from heaven, fruitful seasons, filling our hearts with food and gladness. All what we love and take hold of all the foods, everything that comes, comes from God, all the world should understand that. So by the way, this is the text where they were trying to make uh, Barnabas, Juniper, and uh, uh, Jupiter, excuse me, and Paul, uh, Mercurius, because uh, they had done these great miracles, and they're like, listen folks, we're, we're not gods. We're trying to show you, stop worshiping the creation. There is a creator who has created these things that you worship, these, these stars and these planets. And it is time for you to understand who he is. And we, we're going to be building a point here. In Acts 17, he did it also when he is on Mars Hill. Now, we're not going to have time to read all of this, but just a few of the verses, and you'll remember this. Verse 22 then Paul stood in the midst of Mars Hill and said, You men of Athens, I perceive that in all things you were too superstitious, very religious. For I passed by and beheld your devotions. I found the alt an altar with the inscription to the unknown God. And you'll see how uh, God's word, they, they uh, capitalized that to really give us an open mind to seeing this is their God. And this is a God that they don't even know, and yet they worship, and they sacrifice, and they do all of these things, and they're, it's, it's like we can't know him, so we just imagine him out there and just 
do what we feel in our conscience what this God would like for us to do. No written word, no laws, no anything, whatever you want Him to be. Whom therefore you, notice this, ignorantly worship Him, declare I unto you. Do you see how Paul twisted this whole thing? You don't know Him, but I'm going to show you who the one is you need to know that you don't think you can know. He is your unknown God, and I'm going to reveal Him to you. Do you to me, there's a little play here going on. Because they were not seeking for or trying to get to know the God of the Bible, the God of creation. They were just going after whatever God is out there. And, and Paul's like, you really don't know him. Let me just show you who he really is. He goes on and says, God that made the world. Where did Paul start with in the evangelism of these people who were worshiping anything. Starts with Genesis chapter 1 and verse 1. In the beginning God created. Um, seeing that he is Lord of heaven, earth, dwelleth not in temples made with hands, neither is worshipped with men's hands as though he needed anything. Like you can create something that makes God really happy. Seeing he giveth to all life and breath and all things is made all, uh, this is one that uh, Brother Rowe was, was talking about, verse 26, and hath made of one blood, in other words, one race, all nations of men for to dwell in the face of the earth. So God is not worrying about colors. He is seeing man as one race. And so here again, he uses creation for the evangelism to, to show this general revelation of God through it. Now, the classic text is Romans 1. And I'm sure many of you know this one, but we'll still need to turn to it for those who don't. Romans chapter number 1. Now, uh, very quickly, Romans 1, 2, 3 deals with, uh, chapter 1 deals with pretty much the Gentiles. Chapter 2, primarily the Jews. Chapter 3 of Romans deals with the whole world. And there is one thing that he is trying to build a case for through these three chapters, which is what? I'm sorry? I hear you, but I can't hear you. Okay, he's trying to get the gospel to them, but what is he trying to prove before he gets into the gospel? What is he trying to show the world that they, that they are? Help you out. For all have... Okay, okay. So now you got the concept. Chapter 1, they're lost. Chapter 2, Jews, you're lost. Chapter 3, everybody's guilty before God. Okay? So that's the key. Uh, Sunday morning we're going to deal with the, the subject of guilt, but different, a little different twist on it. But the whole world is guilty before God. Now in chapter 1, this is the chapter that he gets into the, the, um, the proof that man has denied God because he took the creation instead of the Creator and began to worship it, making things with their hands. He talks about God can't be made with hands. You can't please God with the works of your hands. It just can't happen. Okay, But then he gets into, uh, they get into the, the sexual part of it all where uh, they misuse their bodies. And this is the text that deals with men with men, women with women, which is called sodomy. Uh, today they use nicer terms for it. 
Um, so this week, our, our nation and the military has made a choice that really hurts us as Christians. I mean, it goes, it, 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 yeah, it serves a, a lot of anger and things, but it is as much a hurt that, that, that they have taken the Word of God and just, just said, doesn't apply. And they have gone with the new way of thinking that leads, by the way, we're going to do a study down the road here on last days, and so I'm tying a whole lot of things together because your preacher's mind is just on a roll here uh, because we got to deal with the last days. We have to understand what this our government has done is fulfilling what God said would happen in the last days. So it does burden us and it hurts us and it angers us, and yet we should be smiling because it's all that it's doing is showing that God's word is right and that it's accurate to the detail. And so, yeah, we'll get into God's Word uh, later on in, in the Bibliology. Uh, chapter 1 here, verse, verse uh, oh man, there's so many good places to start. Uh, we'll start verse number 19. Because that which may be known of God is manifest or revealed in them, for God has showed it unto them. Okay, I'm sorry, we need verse 18. I knew that wasn't making sense. Verse 18, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness, unrighteousness of men who hold, now notice this phrase, who hold the truth in unrighteousness. They know what the Bible says, they know the truth, and yet with it, they continue with the opposite of what the truth would say to do. They hold it in unrighteousness, and then what it says later on is when they take the creation and begin to worship the creation rather than creator, when they know that there's a creator that created all these things, they say, I don't want to think about the creator. Let me just worship a rock here. So, verse 19, because that which may be known of God is manifest in them. For God has showed it unto them. For the invisible, here's the key verse, invisible things of Him, that's of God, from the creation of the world are clearly seen. So what are clearly seen? Through the creation. The creation is what we see, and the creation is revealing what? The invisible things of God. The, the things that we have not seen, uh, His power, His majesty, and our God is eternal. The list goes on with things that we'll be studying out about the character of our God. All of these things that we have not been able to physically see are able to be though revealed through that which He has created. So the visible reveals the invisible. Okay, you, you understand what I'm saying there? The visible, what we see, shows the invisible, that which we cannot see, being understood by the things that are made, even His eternal power and Godhead, so that they, that is, the lost world that has been rejecting the truth, they are without excuse because, it doesn't stop there, because that when they notice this, knew God, do you realize how many people have been brought up knowing about God and they said, that's no fun, and they go off in their own thing into a lot of debauchery. 
Matter of fact, we are told that even a lot of people that went off the deep end were raised up in Baptist homes and churches. Okay? They knew it, but they said, I don't want it. And I'm sure just like today, I was with a, uh, a couple, uh, and they were just crying for their children because of, of what they have done, where they have gone in life. And uh, folks, uh, God has created us, even though He is sovereign, He has created us with a will and a choice. And our children have a choice to make. Are they going to make your God their personal God? Is He going to become their Savior? Will they take on the standards of the Word of God as you have tried? Now, I'm not saying we're perfect as parents. We know better than that. But have, we, have they seen at least the, the integrity, the, the things that we are trying to do to, to show them and to, to love them the way our God. And so they just took it and they're just like, no. And so, so God says, they're in big trouble. And as we saw in verse 18, the wrath of God. Okay? You don't want to mess around when it comes to the wrath of God. These are the things, folks, when this, we see the general revelation that, that the world does not want to see these things about God. But, the next point is the key. Uh, general revelation is known in the conscience of men. Just flipping over a page. Now, this is a very important concept for you to understand. Dealing with lost people, trying to show to them the existence of God even though they're denying Him. Chapter 2, and starting in verse 14. For when the Gentiles... Now, remember we talked about the three identities. Was that, in, was that here? I can't remember when. The Jew, Gentile, the Church of God. I can't remember where I was teaching that, but I teach too many lessons. I can't keep up with it all. So we have those three identities. The Jew, lost. Gentile, lost. Church of God, saved. Jew, Gentile, saved, are the church of God, right? So here, the Gentiles, which have not the law. What law would that be talking about? Say it loud. The law of Moses, right? So they don't know the Ten Commandments, if you will. They don't know the Levitical laws, the ceremonial laws. They don't have the, the baptismal laws, the, the cleansing laws that the people had to go through. But yet... Do by nature the things contained in the law. These, the, that's the lost Gentiles, having not the law, are a law unto themselves. Okay? So I've been into some crazy places. And, uh, you know, probably in, with Walt going into uh, the Amazon, even there, they had order, the chief, on down through, and they had laws, okay? Now, you can have as many wives as you want, but you're not allowed to take another man's wife to be your wife if he's alive, or else you're going to be in a fight. That was like against the law. Now, then go further. And neither were they allowed to say, you know what, I don't like you. I'm going to stab you, or I'm going to shoot you, you're dead. They, they couldn't get away, if you will, with murder. Now, they could go to the next tribe over there and kill as many people as they wanted. Now, you've got to remember, you say, well, well, why don't the police get in there? There are no police. You understand? 
There's no squad cars. There's no badges. There's no guns. There's nobody that's saying, you're not allowed to do that, you know, except the chief and those who are the law givers, if you will. But they have laws that's funny that they're real similar to the Ten Commandments. Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife. Not allowed to take her. Thou shalt not murder or kill. Not allowed to do that. So how would they come up with this stuff that is the exact same as the law of Moses? Because there's a law somewhere deep inside of them that they know what's right and wrong based on the knowledge of good and evil that was given them by Adam to every human being. Verse 15, which show the work of the law, notice this, written in their hearts, their conscience also bearing witness, their thoughts, the meanwhile, notice this, accusing or excusing one another. And that in the day when God shall judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ, you'll notice that according to my gospel. Now, uh, let's bring it to today. Uh, we, we talk to people that are looking at their lives and they're saying, don't mess with me, I'm okay the way I am. And they could be people that have done really, really bad things. But in their conscience, they excused themselves. And yet, other unsaved people would look at them and say, that's wrong. Well, based on what? Based on what? Okay? So, the world, you stop and say, well, this guy murdered these people. I had a guy in my church years ago visiting. Um, he, he had uh, murdered his whole family, uh, except for one little baby. He was a postmaster. And uh, killed them all, missed the little baby that had Down syndrome, shot in the crib, but missed. And... Um, so, so he's come to church. You know, we're trying to get the gospel and, and everything and, you know, claiming his innocence and everything like that. And ended up, he was guilty, talk, took to the slammer, and he's guilty. Oh, on the papers, oh, this horrible person has killed this family and this is a horrible thing. Well, I ask you a question, based on what? We agree with that. How does the world come up with standards that are right and wrong if the Bible means nothing to them? If we have evolved, is it not the survival of the fittest? The strong survive, the weak pass away, so that we become a stronger people the next generation then. We have a kid with Down syndrome probably isn't going to make it to the age of 30. So what? It's, it's, a, it's a life to them. It's, it's just, a, you know, at some point, it's just put them off their, get them out of their misery. The elderly, where we're heading. At what point do we stop and say, you know what? Look at the billions of dollars we're putting in these people the last few years of their lives. We can't afford this anymore. So let's give them our happy pill. Let them pass. 
you know, quietly, we'll put them in a nice room and nice flowery pictures and just put them in the la-la land. When that save, that's evolution. The, the stronger need to be here so they can do better. And we put away the weak. Well, who comes up with these laws of what's right and what's wrong? Well, if it's not based on the Word of God, folks, we're not far from that. And we're not far from taking the little ones that are weak. If we can kill them in the womb, why isn't it going to be allowed when they're up to about two years old? You say they would never do that. Yeah, do you think a hundred years ago they would have said we will be aborting babies? The answer is never. See, we're dealing with a conscience and a mind that is not based on the Word of God, and yet down in there, they know. See, how do they know? Because God read it, wrote it in their hearts, and there's a conscience, and they can't get away with it. And they know, and they know, back here, I hope it's not right, but I might be countable for this. And it's going to be with Jesus Christ that they're going to stand before God. Uh, this is a way for you and I to stop. I had a, uh, I use this young man as an illustration quite a bit here because it's, it's just a great illustration to me. Uh, this one man, young boy, he's like 15 years old. He decides he's gay. And uh, he's going to church, another church, youth group, loved it. Loves Jesus, but I'm gay, loving Jesus. I said, you know that goes against the Scriptures. I know what everybody says, but this is who I am. This is my identity and everything. Okay. Um, so after I explained to him through the Bible what men were going to be doing to him, he's like, I didn't know that. Yeah, they're not going to tell you that. They're not going to tell you what they are really. God calls them brute beasts. You don't realize what they're going to do to you. And he's like, well, I'm starting to change my mind a little bit. That's okay. But by the end of it, he says, you know what, I'm still gay. Okay. So, what if someday our nation, has, who has put a stamp of approval on the gay movement, what if our government is going to say child molestation is now approved? What if they say, you're allowed to do that one now? Does that make it right? If they legalize marijuana... Does that make it legal now for us? Because the government, for selfish reasons, would approve or disapprove something, whether it's political gain, money, or whatever it be, just because they approve it doesn't make it right. This whole conscience thing. So I told him, I said, so if they legalize this stuff, is that okay? He said, absolutely not. I said, based on what? Because the Bible says that what you are doing is sin. It's wrong. And just because man says it's okay doesn't make it right. If God says it's sin, it's sin. So we're trying to get them to understand there is something inside of them that says, well, this is wrong. Well, based on what? Well, how I feel about it. Well, if somebody else feels that it's okay, shouldn't it be okay then? Are you seeing the logic here that we are dealing with in the lost world? This is how they are looking at it. All is inclusive, 
And at some point, all will be justified. So we're trying to show them, listen, God established what you were saying. This will be wrong. But he also says this was wrong. And trying to bring to that point where there's a conscience knowing right and wrong. And we have that because of the very general revelation of all of his creation. And that's what he goes on and talks about in Romans 1. It's not natural. It's not natural what is going on in our society. It goes against nature. And so, yeah, well, guess what? We've got to move quickly. Um, general revelation is seen also through history. I love this point. This is pretty neat. Have you ever, you ever read Ezekiel lately? Let's go back to Ezekiel a couple minutes. And this is not an exhaustive uh, study on the phrase that we're going to show you. But you can go through your Bible in Ezekiel and see how many times it's actually in there. These are just some of the places. Ezekiel chapter 28, starting in verse number 20. Again the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, set thy face against Zidon, and prophesy against it, and say, Thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I am against thee, O Zidon, and I will be glorified in the midst of thee. Now notice this. And they shall know that I am the Lord, when I shall have executed judgments in her, and shall be sanctified in her. Now follow me. This is a lost people, a lost nation, that God says they're going to know that I am God and that I exist, because I'm going to bring judgment down upon them, And they're going to know it. For I will send into her pestilence, blood into her streets. The wounded shall be judged in the midst of her by the sword upon her every side. And they shall know that I am the Lord. Next verse. And there shall be no more pricking briar under the house of Israel, nor grieving thorn or all that are round about them that despise them. And they shall know that I am am the Lord. Verse 26, the last phrase, they shall know that I am the Lord. He gets into Egypt in chapter 29, and you can see the different verses there, the same concept, verse 6, all the inhabitants of Egypt shall know that I am the Lord because they have been staff of reed to the house of Israel, meaning they have persecuted, they've been uh, going after Israel, so God's going to step in, and He's going to bring them into judgment, and people are going to know that I am God. Existence. They have been denying Him, and going after Israel, denying Him by going after other gods, and idolatry, so God says, I'm going to do something. Now let's stop and think of our nation just for a moment, ladies and gentlemen. How long... Do you think that the long-suffering of our God is going to be with the United States of America? Could it be what we have done this week in a decision could be yet one more thing for our God to step in and say, you're going to know that I am God. And I'm going to bring some things into your lives and bring some more catastrophe To say, you're not as big as you think you are, America. Because I am God, you're not. And our God is allowed to do that. 
And he makes the rain to fall upon the just and the unjust, as well as the storms to come onto the just and the unjust. And we might feel it, but that's okay. Because it's not about you and I, it's about God showing the world so that we can be lights in dark times to show them He is God. They will get mad at you. Because if you say, the Lord brought this hardship or this storm or He brought this into people's lives, what kind of a loving God would do that? The kind that says, I am God. And you are going after other gods. You're worshiping creation. You're worshiping yourselves. And that's a big one in America. And you're worshiping everything but me. So it's time for me to wake you up because I'm the potter. You're the clay. I've created you. You've not created yourself. It is time to recognize I am God. History shows how God stepped in to intervene to prove his existence to a world that was denying him. So history shows the general revelation of God.